Welcome, friends, to the True Myth Media Podcast, a journey of film and faith. I'm your host, Michael McDonald. And I'm Seth Steele. And I'm Carl Nagurski. And this week, we're pretty much just going to be uh, talking a wrap-up on our trip up to the Traverse City Film Festival. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, we went up, uh, Seth and I went up on Friday to catch a movie that night. Carl was working late, so he came up on Saturday morning. Uh, and uh, Traverse City, for those of you who are not from the Michigan area, it's like a two and a half hour drive away from Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really nice city. It's uh, like right there on the Traverse Bay. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, uh, like, I think mostly known for like the Cherry Festival that they have. And um, it's kind of a touristy destination. Yep. And uh, Michael Moore uh, founded the Traverse City Film Festival uh, 15 years ago. This is their 15 year anniversary. Uh, and uh, it's kind of got a little different uh, kind of programming like thrust than some other film festivals. It's not necessarily as focused on always having like the newest, like most like premieres mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the film festival, although they do have fairly new movies that you can't see anywhere you know, else, yet. anywhere else yet. But um, that's not their main focus. Their main focus is really just on um, sharing Michael and the people who work there, their love of film. And if there's a movie that came out two years ago that they really loved, they're going to have it at their festival just because they want like people in this area of Michigan to have access to it when they normally wouldn't. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is really cool. I think that mentality really shapes the way that the film festival works where, you know, you can really just go see one show if you want. Um, you can just easily drop in and out. Um, I, I don't know. I really I really like that. That's not necessarily how I want to consume movies because I'm a freak. <laughs> but uh, I can understand for a lot of people. It seemed like uh, it was very user friendly. I feel oh, like absolutely. like there was a huge demographic like range like it was all over yeah. the place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just kind of appealed to everybody. I yeah. Like. And it seemed like also uh, like just when you're at these shows, because they've got like the shuttle lots and stuff where you can uh, like, park your cars and. Uh, then get shuttled into the city where the shows are. But then uh, I noticed even at some of those outskirts locations, uh, like people were leaving, but they weren't like walking to their cars. They were literally walking to their houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it, it really has this sense of it's like in the, where these people live. And, in the community, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. walking down the street to the next venue, I just bypassed it couple really nice houses just you know people yeah. doing yard work and here i am walking to my next movie like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, yeah. it was yeah. cool yeah. you know yeah. it was nice yeah. and very and, friendly people and we too. really we really lucked out with weather i mean it's a beautiful yeah. it was area a anyway yeah. pretty so. hot but yeah it was nice the yeah. lake the lake air is so nice that breeze saved yeah me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it did get a little muggy in the middle of the day there yeah but we were in but that's not the day. fault yeah. of the film festival yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fault of climate change yeah. no such thing oh there we go <laughs> All right, so let's just get started with, uh, you know, uh, night one. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw... I saw Safe Spaces with Justin Long. Um, it was kind of like an indie comedy movie. Uh, it's about a professor who... Uh, he's a New York professor uh, living in NYC. Um, and during a discussion, uh, he's a writing professor. He prompts one student to keep going on this one particular bit of writing. Um, And as he continues to kind of push her to uh, give more and more detail, it ends up that the ending that she did give was not actually true. And actually what happened at the end of her story was like an awkward sexual encounter. 
Um, like it's a true story. That yes, it's a true her. story that happened to her. Um, and because he got this out of her, he like he asks all the class. He's like, who found this ending more compelling than the rest or than her other story? The ending that was falsified and just kind of made things easy. Um, and almost everybody in the in the class raises their hand, and it's pretty much just saying like, you know, the truth is always going to be hard to say, but it's always going to be more interesting, more compelling than uh, whatever lie you can throw at the end of a story or something like that. As the movie goes on, uh, he ends up getting in trouble with it because of his uh, school board. Um, another girl in the class was sexually assaulted, and because he kind of pressured her into this, um, she feels as if, like, it's an unsafe space. So, really, it's kind of about, like, navigating this uh, shifting political climate and, like, understanding where you are and or how you fit into that political climate. Um, I think this movie could be taken kind of in a wrong way in some areas um because it is kind of like uh like justin long is a white cisgender straight male um and he's like i don't know how i fit into this climate anymore and it's not about like the white man being persecuted it's about reevaluating where you are in this climate and just kind of like changing with it and i think that's what his whole character growth is throughout this movie but i could see it being interpreted in the wrong way and kind of being like Hey, the white guy's still being oppressed sometimes. Um, It worked for me on a lot of levels, actually, and there's a lot of really funny parts in it. Um, A lot of great awkward humor moments and a lot of great, like, setups uh, with character stuff that pays off later. Um, It it feels very much just like an indie comedy. And actually, it was one of my favorite films that I saw this weekend. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, what did you see the first night, though? The first night was Knocked on the House. Oh, that's um, right. Which was probably my least favorite film that I saw this weekend. Okay. Gave it a two-star rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry. The name of yours was, what was it again? Safe Spaces. Safe Spaces. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to remember to, especially because a lot of these nobody will have seen yet. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we mention the names twice so that people can remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure about. that one doesn't have dis- distribution yet either. Yeah. So it's kind of just floating around right now still. So, But it is good. I think it will eventually get picked up. So, so uh, yeah. Knock Down the House was, is a uh, documentary. It's a Netflix documentary. Um and it's about uh, AOC, Alexandria Casio cortez and I think it's three or four other women who, uh, after Trump's election in 2016, um, basically were motivated to get out there and run for office, try and knock out some of these. Um, they're really focused on these races that were incumbent democrats who were just entrenched like they're kind of that old guard of democrat that people kind of criticize as being really no different than republicans um so like uh they're they're trying to take on some of these guys that have been basically run unopposed for you know i think crowley they said 14 years and even when he was first like got the job he didn't even like win a vote for it he was appointed okay um so, like, uh, it's really about them challenging that establishment and um, just giving people an option to vote for someone else. Uh, the reason that I felt like the movie didn't come across, didn't come off well for me is that it, well, a couple of reasons. One of them is ideological and one of them is more, like, actually about the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideolo- ideologically, it's just very uh, – um, almost propagandistic in some ways you never really get a uh rounded view i think of the candidates you very much feel like this film is almost like a wing of the campaigns okay uh 
seeing all their best moments, all their drop the mic moments, you know, all of those things and uh, never any of the like harder things. There's no and there's no real narrative arc to this story. I was talking about this with Katie this morning where um, you think of and this is very challenging for documentaries because life doesn't happen the way that's scripted. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, stuff happens. And the reason we script it the way that it is is because it is more engaging and more mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, and like you you get this sense that the story is as simple as Trump won. We decided to run. And then some of us won and some of us lost. There's no like, oh, we decided to run. But like for this person, their family was really against it. And that was kind of a battle to try and convince them. And then, you know, like the campaign started going well. But then this thing happened and this person's like campaign took a real hit but then they solved that problem by doing this and then they bounced back and came up and yeah, you there's get, just like, no conflict or anything yeah like, like mm -hmm. and for this it's just like one there there's none of that okay and uh that's not to say there aren't great moments in it um there's a real probably my favorite part of the movie is where ocasio cortez is at this like town hall where crowley doesn't even show up um he sends a surrogate to debate on his behalf <laughs> and uh like it is it's laughable because the person who is like debating for him doesn't know any like is literally saying well we would have to ask him Jeez. <laughs> and and ocasio cortez at one point says well there's only one person in this room tonight who's running for senate for for, for, for uh whatever uh representative yeah like it's just it's so obvious that she's basically running unopposed yeah, yeah. And, but yeah it's it's like politically i really identify with what she's doing and with a lot like the squad and all that kind of stuff i i feel like um i'm i'm a pretty moderate person i i probably am in that camp of people that feels like well they kind of take things a little too aggressively sometimes but i kind of understand why they do i understand like i understand that like within the party they have a role within the country they have a role and it's hard to balance both of those things and i'm sure that aggression has risen because of trump's aggression yeah too, yeah so. like there's like there's there's all this so like i definitely i'm not a person who is like a yeah the squad can do no wrong person but i'm also definitely not a person who thinks that like they're you know all Out just a place. bunch of everybody's waste mm. of time yeah and, like what are they even doing um and I felt like the movie for somebody who is kind of in that middle spot uh, didn't do a lot to like um, make them feel accessible to me. Okay. Which is weird because I feel like film, that's like one of the things that it excels at mm -hmm. is like bringing people close together and making them super accessible. Yeah. Um, so I really missed that. And uh, yeah, so I think that's the main reason I gave it a low score. Okay. Uh, it's just that I, I would have liked to have um, felt like I learned any, I didn't learn anything mm. in it. Okay. Like I already yeah. knew all that stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, For maybe somebody that's not uninitiated politics, yeah, yeah. as much. Might yeah. Like yeah. More. I feel like it's really, it really is made more for that Netflix crowd. Like the people who are like frustrated that the office isn't on anymore and just need to put something <laughs> hey, on. Hey, hey, like, we still have a year. Yeah. Or I made the, I made the um, analogy to you, Seth, where I felt, where I said it, it, it feels kind of like a Christian film except for liberals okay uh, you know yeah, yeah. like it's like one-sided and it doesn't yeah it's one-sided like you have your like victory moments it all feels very like staged and disingenuous mm -hmm. and not really the authentic view 
Um, and I think it probably appeals to people on that same level. Like just like a, tr- a person who goes to church every Sunday is going to love the end of God's not dead where, uh, you know, he gets saved. Um, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure your average social justice warrior is going to love the moment where AOC wins. Cause it's great. It is like, sure. like the, the, the joy on her face is palpable. It's, it, it really is an amazing moment. Um, it could have been better with some conflict. In right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So, what sorry. was your first? I one, know Carl? I rambled. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> so yeah, next morning. <laughs> All right, Carl. Uh, next morning. Yes, I drove up uh, and saw St. Francis. Uh, probably my favorite one of the film festival. Actually, in terms of, I saw a documentary which I like too, but we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, this was great. Um, first, want to talk about the venue, the Opera House. Was just it's just a nice, nice venue. All of them, the venues there were just great. Yeah, we were yeah. I didn't get to too. go to that one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that Opera House, and uh, yeah, saw St. Francis, which uh, it's kind of like uh, what he was saying. It's a nice little indie kind of dramedy mm-hmm. um, that uh, tackles with some pretty heady subjects with relative ease and just really just organically because um, Kelly O'Sullivan she wrote it and started in it, and she her character. Um, she, she's just kind of like a. She's not really knowing what to do with her life. She has these uh, waitressing job, and eventually she goes to nannying because she doesn't know what else to do, and she doesn't really like kids either. But <laughs> she decides just on a whim to go try nannying, and it's just her connecting with um, this girl of two uh, lesbian mothers. So ooh, controversy. But <laughs> but uh, it also deals with um, the Kelly O'Sullivan's character getting an abortion. Um, while dealing with a kid and like it just tackles these big subjects with just um, just exploring both sides of pro-life and pro-choice and just with really a delicate hand like it's not there's nothing preachy she's not shoving anything down her throat she is giving you her opinion in the meantime but she's not saying you're wrong for thinking otherwise it's just it's really nice and it's it's really funny and I just I really dug it it was just a good way to start the day and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I couldn't. I I recommend it to anyone. Like I'm gonna pick yeah. it up when it comes out. It does have distribution. I forgot who picked it up though. That's cool. Yeah, but it yeah. sounds like it was really gracefully done. Because like, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've often like mused on the idea of doing like a documentary about, um, an the abortion issue. Yeah, and not like a like more of a like let's try and get people to talk to each other and hear each other's arguments and sides right mm-hmm. and it sounds like this is a movie that does that really well yeah like, oh it's it's great I and mean, it deals with like it um, doesn't villainize yeah oh yeah there, there you go very yeah. good yeah, yeah it does not villainize having that operation like at the one of the scenes um one of the mothers is crying and uh it's because her wife isn't going to the doctor to get her postpartum depression treated and then uh, she, Kelly O'Sullivan's character reveals to her that she got an abortion and that she's still bleeding. And then the, the lady, one, the same mom, is like, are you going to the doctor? And Kelly O'Sullivan's like, no. And then she's like, you don't, you're not mad at me because I, I got this operation? She's like, no, I'm mad because no one in this house knows how to go see a doctor. <laughs> 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 like, it kind of explained the whole thing. Really oh, like, man, that's my family. Yeah. <laughs> like, me and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just ain't going to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> that's kind of cool, it, though. I yeah. feel like you don't really get that many, like, dramedies about abortion. Right. Like, usually it's like, we're going to have this very serious conversation. Yeah. Now. Yep. It like, makes, it humanizes it. And yeah. It's, it's just nice. I, I think, and, 
anyone's going to enjoy it, I think. Yeah. I it, really do. And I think that's a good that's a good conversation starter, too. Absolutely. Like, to have a movie like that is is something that we need to have, which is yep. why I like a movie like uh, Four Months, Three Weeks, uh, Two Days so much. Sure. Because it's just a movie that opens that conversation, and it's opens like, okay, we do need to talk about this. Yeah. This isn't something that we can just ignore. And, and I know it's not a fun so- subject to talk about, but we do need to address it at some point. And, and they say that in that movie, another part, really funny part, she's talking, the main character's talking to her mom. And just kind of talking about life things. And the mom's like, uh, talking about how kids are not easy. And she's like, when you were a kid, I would always fantasize about holding you up by your ankles and swinging your head into the wall multiple times. (laughs) But I never did it. (laughs) Because the thought of it made me sick. And I got through it. But, you know, people don't want to talk about these things. But you have to because it's ugly and you need to get the ugly out. (laughs) That's that's kind of the same thing with that Safe Spaces movie. It's like the the ugliness of truth, like, sometimes is ugly, but it forces us to realize, like, what is deep down inside. Right. Yeah, that's That's great. It's actually another thing about the film festival that I really enjoyed is, like, you get you get out of these movies and then you have to sit on a bus like on this shuttle on your way to your next film and everybody in that shuttle has probably seen the movie that you just saw or they're they're, you hear everybody talking about the films all day Mm -hmm. um which is really interesting like to like kind of experience firsthand what they talk about in other film festivals where they're like oh there's a lot of buzz around this and it's like what are they talking about and it's like oh now i get it yeah, yeah. Like, i get right. what you mean by or just uh, striking up conversations with random people and being like what did you see yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, planet yeah. of the humans is one that i i saw the synopsis for didn't think looked interesting didn't want to check it out blah 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 but I heard so many people talking about it throughout the weekend yeah. that now I'm going to have my eye open for yeah. it. Yeah. That's kind of like me with a long day's journey into night. I didn't get into that one. And then I heard like five people talking about it. And I'm like, dang it. I really <laughs> need to <laughs> get into that, that one. one yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay. So I'm sure I'll end up seeing it when it comes out. <laughs> so Yeah. I want to I do two movies a day next time because there's a Q&A with the director and the actress screenwriter. After St. Francis, I really want to stay for that, but oh, I only yeah, had a, yeah, so yeah. much time to get to the next movie. So yeah. next time I go, I'm going to split it up a little bit so I yeah. can do these q and I think we talked about that on the drive home where like, we were yeah. like... Maybe do three movies a day instead of four. Because yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little bit much. <laughs> oh, man, that was, it was a it, long Yeah, day. I mean, but, I loved the last movie, but I was restless in my seat. I was <laughs> yeah. shifting around. There's no one sitting next to me, thankfully, because <laughs> yeah. I was just... Well, you Ooh, saved the longest for last. Yeah, it was yeah. just foreign documentary. <laughs> what, I don't know what I was thinking, even though it was great. Yeah. So what was, was your – or do you uh, want it? doesn't matter. Uh, I saw Boy Howdy first thing uh, Saturday Boy morning. Uh, it's the story of Cream Magazine, which was uh, kind of a rock magazine uh, that was based out of Detroit right after the riots. Uh, so it, it started in 1969 and ran until 1989. Um, but it's pretty much just about this uh, magazine and, like, the way it was run. Um, it was run by a bunch of crazy people, pretty much. Um, they're all, like, drug addicts and, like, uh, just, like, megalomaniacs. They they all have, like, bipolar personalities. And they're just working uh, to try and put out this magazine once a month. And it's just crazy stuff started to happen. Um, they have tons of stories about different rockers who got involved, like their feud with like Joan Jett. They got into an argument because like they kept reviewing her records poorly and stuff like that. <laughs> There's like one. Uh, I mean, that has no relatability. At yeah, all. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that like uh, yeah. There's just a ton of different cool stories, like uh, Chad Smith uh, from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's the mm-hmm. last name, right? I yeah. Can't, yeah okay. I think so. The drummer. Um, yeah, he lived like five miles from their headquarters later on in life, so he ended up. Like, 
biking down to their headquarters at one point and saw like Alice Cooper walking out the front door. Huh. Um, there are a ton of cool stories, but other than this happened in this year, this happened in this year, this happened in this year, it didn't feel like there was like a through line throughout the entire oh. thing. So I kind of felt like I was jumping back and forth and I was like, okay, I am all over the place in, as far as focus goes. Um, and some of the more interesting characters, like the three people who were kind of in charge of the magazine, they they focused on them for a while. And I was like, I want to learn more about these guys. And then they started going away from them and just talking about like some of the other stuff that happened with the magazine after most of them left. And I was like, OK, you're starting to lose my interest a little bit. Um, it was only like an hour and 15 minutes long uh, for fans of like punk rock and classic rock. You'll get a kick out of this and it's absolutely worth your time. Um, but as far as like the technical aspects of the film go, it was just okay. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of it that like, I think they changed formats on their cameras at one point. So like most of the interviews looked like they were shot on DSLRs. And then a couple of the interviews looked like they were shot on actual, like nice cameras. Okay. Um, yeah. and sometimes like the, the camera was on autofocus. So they would shift in their seats and the camera would like try and pull focus with them. So yeah. the rest of the interview would be out oh, of focus no. <laughs> for a little bit. Um, there were parts when well, they anyone who's camera made like, audio. YouTube videos understands that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah. So uh, <laughs> there were parts when they had lav mics on, but they didn't turn the lav mics on. So they had to use camera audio and Ugh. bump it up in post. Uh, so oh, and, and there were times when you could like hear people in the background talking and stuff like that. So like overall, I gave it a three out of five stars, but it's still a well-made documentary and it still gets a lot of information across. Um, just the technical aspects were lacking. Um, but yeah, it was still a lot of fun. Um, if you, if you like cream magazine or if you know about it, uh, it's pretty cool to, yeah, kind of experience. So cool. Yeah. What was your next one? Uh, so my next one was the great lakes, great shorts program. Oh yeah. Um, so I was really looking forward to this cause, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this one, that, that, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, so it was like, uh, I think eight shorts, um, and they're all made by uh, Michigan people or about Michigan people. And uh, the first couple were kind of uh, like, for lack of a better, they're, they're, they were almost tourism ads. Okay. Uh, like for Detroit. They're not quite. Like they're definitely f- coming at it from a specific viewpoint, like um, from the artist community. One of them is focusing on street art. Uh, I... I didn't find that one particularly engaging, which was weird because, like, I'm an artist and I would think that I would find that really engaging. Mm-hmm. But just, like, um, the, I think that it just being mostly a bunch of artists talking about their art and, like, not really, uh, like, talking about the things that they're trying to say with their art. Uh, like, I, I don't know if that's a distinction that... Uh, it's kind of hard for me to like get across, but um, I would much rather have heard these artists talk about like this specific piece and what I'm trying to say with this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I would be interested in hearing them talk about like, yeah, Detroit's a great place to make art. Uh, oh, okay. So, saying, yeah. so yeah, it doesn't feel very focused again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, so yeah, you want, I, I see you want to have a lot of graffiti artists come to Detroit. I'm still cool. not going to Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so I was not a big fan of that one. Um, I, the next one I thought was a little better, which was about uh, the this, uh, like, I don't know what you call it. I mean, I guess it's a small business. But um, the, basically with all the, um, like, derelict housing and stuff down mm-hmm. there and all the, basically, like, you can get cheap land because you can buy stuff and it's just got these horrible buildings on it. And the, uh, this uh, 
they look like they're probably in their 30s uh african-american couple and they are have uh, been researching and learning about beekeeping and are bringing beekeeping into the city nice. oh, that's actually really cool and especially with the decline in bee populations yeah, so. very right um, so they've got like 17 locations across the city where they've got apiaries and stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. The yeah. way they, Is it fiction? Uh, no, no. Oh, none cool. Of, all of these were documentaries. Okay. Oh, okay. Documentary cool. shorts. Cool. Yeah. This one um, was really uh, – I. it got me intrigued to look at the company. Um, Absolutely. Which I think is kind of the goal of it. Yeah. Uh, and so in that sense, it was really successful. Uh, they got exposed to the idea of honey and like – investigating it because um somebody has suggested they use local honey uh for like a medicinal thing a purpose um and i guess there's a lot of research behind the idea that because the bees are pollinating things around in your locale it's better for you to consume honey that comes from your locale yeah uh yeah and that it actually helps you like with allergy things and all of this other stuff and so they got into it through that and basically then started pouring back into education for um, young black kids who don't have an agric- agricultural background anymore and trying to get show them uh, that like they can do things that are outside of the outside of the, I guess, for lack of a better word, African-American box like the stigma yeah the things that people that even even black people a lot of times think about themselves and say like hey you know you can you know farming's not a crazy thing because they they talk about how when they go to convention beekeeping conventions they're like the only black people (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so but yeah i i thought that one was really cool um then was a weird bird one uh, where it's just shots of birds from around Detroit. Oh, my mom would love that one. Uh, it's just, it like literally looks like somebody with a DSLR, uh, like that has a, has an okay long lens, like a little telephoto or whatever. But um, yeah, just to random music that he likes. And uh, <laughs> it was not spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the the friendliest thing you could say is it was sort of a tone poem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's very nice of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the highlight of that shorts program really was uh, a short at the end of it uh, that was about this, uh, I think she is 81 or 85-year-old woman who uh, um, lives by herself and actually in the like Grand Traverse area. And uh, she has arthritis and her neighbors like called the police to do a you know courtesy check on her. Just make sure she's OK or whatever. And when she came to the door when the police came, she had been smoking a joint um, nice. for her arthritis, <laughs> for her arthritis. And uh, they took her to jail. Oh, um, like she, you know, she even said, like, uh, you know, am I going to jail? Do you want to handcuff me behind or in front? Like all that. Like she knew as soon as she came to the door that that's what was going to happen. And uh, they took her to jail for like three, four months. Um, she's sleeping on a concrete floor. Oh my god! Um, yeah, and, and and what's great about this movie is <laughs> yeah. is the sense of humor in it. Really? Yeah, it's not a sad short documentary. Okay, it, like because she has a her attitude towards the whole situation is great. Oh, nice. Um, she's just like 
yeah, it was terrible, but it's given me this perspective that I never had before where I feel like I really understand more like whenever something comes up about like the prison system or about all of this other stuff, she's like, I, I now understand what people are going through in those places hmm. and how dehumanizing they are and all of this other stuff and learning uh, something new at 81 yeah like, that's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah yeah and it was and it is it, it was just like a really kind of left you with this great <coughs> feeling of you know that even though some terrible thing had happened to her and everything she was still able to have like a great attitude hmm. about it and, interesting yeah i mean I mean, it's just unfor- it's just unfortunate that she was smoking pot. That's, that's <laughs> such a terrible thing to be doing. She could have died. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> she you don't want to OD if she inhaled so. too many of them. But that's... I would say those, yeah, those were the highlights and lowlights of the uh, the documentary uh, section. I think nice. Yeah. You saw all those films plus eight shorts. Your brain must be like <laughs> oh, fried. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm just crap. like I'm so mixed up. No <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely felt that this morning. Just like, all right, yeah. what movie went where? How did I feel yeah. about like, 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 yeah, I woke up like, all right, I got to talk about these now. Don't get them all mixed together. <laughs> yep. Well, it's like on the way home last night, I thought, you know, I'm probably going to fall asleep on the way home. But we ended up just talking about the movies For because like yeah. I feel like I, I almost myself. have to talk about them in order to solidify them in my memory. Keep them again. going, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and forget all about these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that, too. Like, my last two movies dealt with uh, the British British government and like driving home, I got mixed up. I was like, "No way, that was this movie, (laughs) this one." (laughs) So, yeah. uh, So, what was uh, what was your next movie? Actually, we went to go see the next one together. I tried to get into that Lily Tomlin conversation, uh, but that was sold out. So, I ended up getting into uh, guest artist. Both Carl and I uh, went to go see that one. Did you want to talk about that? Um, We can both talk about it. uh, Jeff Daniels. He actually wrote it. We were both kind of surprised when we saw that he wrote it. Uh, It's uh, just about a, an alcoholic playwright who uh, isn't really doing much anymore, and he gets yeah, a train. Yeah, twenty years. And he, the the guy who's coming to pick him up from the pra- uh, train station, he uh, admires this guy. Like he loves him. He wants to be a playwright and everything. And he goes to pick him up, and he thinks he's going to be all that in a bag of chips. And it turns out Jeff Daniels is a real dick. Yeah, he's just, like, <laughs> just like an alcoholic, and he's just what like, you I'm mean? Just going alcoholic has been writers. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and it's pretty much it's just a conversation. The whole movie, which yeah. which I like, like it's yeah. primarily all in one location yeah. up until about the last fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, it's just yeah, him in a train station, kind of talking through thoughts about uh, like art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Um, I I kind of saw it as a perspective as you've got the guy who is just starting off his career and the guy who feels like he's after the peak of his career. So you've kind of leveled the playing field, like you don't have any preconceived notions of where like art has to be in order to be considered art they constantly um, bring up that the theater is dead even though yeah it's really not yeah there's you know. a, there's a lot of cool like conversations about that kind of stuff where it's just like all right we're gonna talk about how this art relates to today or how this art relates to yep. uh, certain things how it relates to you as an individual uh what your art means and what it uh takes to create too. also like uh, is, and is it it's you said it's uh he wrote it so it's it's fictional yeah, yes it is um, yep. uh, is well, it similar to like end of the tour in that way kind of i liked end of the tour a lot more um i but yeah i mean it's kind similar. of like that um i i think end of the tour is approached with a lot more humor um okay. this movie is 
It it's good. Humor. Yeah, it's got humor. It's just more serious. Yeah. Um, and Kind of one-toned. Yeah. And I think Carl and I were both talking, like, Jeff Daniels does a really good job. Like, I, he's the driving force of that film. Yep. Um, the other guy who is, he's like a, it's, he runs a theater company. I looked this up while I was writing the review. Um, but he owns a theater somewhere in Michigan. Um, and he is very stage acty. Um, so it feels like he's just acting yeah. like a stage presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're different beasts. Like you can kind of tell the yeah. subtleties. Um, and I mean, he's not a bad actor by any means, but he's, he's, just, he's just not in the right venue for right. him. It, yeah. It just doesn't line up with, uh, Jeff Daniels performance all the time. So. Yeah. We yeah. run into that a lot, uh, in like indie films and stuff yeah. because mm-hmm. they tend to tap theater communities. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have built in people who, right are already comfortable getting up in front of people and acting. But yeah. It's sometimes have, it, it's definitely a different muscle. And like, I think when it, it is Some, a challenging thing for a director to get somebody who's used to acting to the back row to start acting to 10 inches in front of their face, especially yeah. with shortcuts. Like you're not, it's not yeah. one long thing. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to be doing these scenes over and yeah. over and over again. So you got to get used to that. Yeah. I thought yeah. there were a couple audio issues with that too. I don't know if you noticed that when they had the overlapping dialogue, I just could not oh, tell yeah. what oh, was absolutely. going on. That whole scene was, <laughs> I was weird. Just like, what is happening right it was now? Like a I three-way just missed, conversation. Yeah. You did not hear anything. It was just like just poorly mixed or yes. yeah, like uh, poorly directed. Well, poorly like it mixed. shouldn't have been happening at the same time. Uh, I got what the direction was. It was yeah. just poorly mixed. Okay. Um, it really was. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like they didn't have room tone throughout the entire thing either, mm. so you could kind of tell sometimes like the audio would drop off. Um, and they would cut to, like, the next audio take or something like that. It also would have been a lot funnier in watching it as a play. Yeah, that, that I feel like it would have, too, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was it was a It was based a off a play, yeah, yeah. So that Jeff Daniels originally wrote. So yeah. I actually wouldn't be surprised if, like, the guy that he tapped might have been the manager of the theater where he originally yeah. did this play or something okay. like that. But, I did yeah. like what Jeff Daniels said later on in the film when he said, he was criticizing the other guy's play, and he was just like, "I need to see myself in your art." Yeah, and I, I kind of dug that. I was like, "He was like, your art needs to change my viewpoint. It needs to affect yeah. me somehow. Like, yeah. I need to see myself in your stuff." Sounds a little Tarkovsky in there. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> that and it's also pretty pretentious at times. <laughs> it is, it is kind of pretentious. You definitely hear Jeff Daniels saying. I am an artist. Yeah. <laughs> I am an artist and this is my art. <laughs> Just over and over again. It's one of the lines. Um, yeah, so. But uh, there's also like kind of a cool part where uh, he kind of talks about, he recontextualizes 9-11 um, and he kind of talks about how America deserved it. And that is such a hard scene, but like, it's really good too. Like there's a lot of truth that goes into what he's saying. Um, and I'm not even going to try and explain what he said. Cause I'm going to mess it up. And then you guys are going to be like, Seth says this. <laughs> and I'm not saying that at all. You damn Democrat. <laughs> exactly. um, no, but I mean, he pretty much just says like, uh, like what did he, he said? I don't know. He just, yeah, he says yeah. that we kind of deserved it. He wrote and, a play about it and he was like, I, could never release that because of yeah. what it says and like i and you, yeah he's like you can't write a play about 9-11 and say that america deserved it um but he also like at the very end i we're kind of gonna spoil this here for you i guess Sorry, uh, it's 74 minutes yeah it's <laughs> if you want to watch it you can it's actually it's decent i think i gave yeah. it a 3.5 so I would recommend it. um but yeah it, like at the very end he's like yeah this is probably the best thing i've ever written but i also hate every word of it and so it's like, yeah, it's that hard truth that you have to face sometimes because it makes you look in the mirror and realize what you need to change about yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Pretty I good. enjoyed movie. it. Yeah. What was your second one of the day? Uh, actually, real quick, I'm going to go back because I forgot to mention one of the shorts that I did want to mention. Okay. Um, it's called Camp Alec. It's about uh, a camp that 
uh, this uh, woman started who uh, had a um, daughter, I think it was, pass away and uh, like had uh, speech issues. And it's basically a camp for um, uh, kids who have to use uh, devices in order to speak. Okay. Um, and it's all about helping them learn language skills and all of those things. And it's really great. Um, I, I really like this. This was actually, uh, it was this one and, um, the, uh, one about the woman who got, uh, arrested for pot possession. Those were my two favorite shorts. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that one also, uh, saw in the credits, uh, people that I know that worked on that one. Oh, okay. Um, actually, uh, Christopher Sloboda, who did our theme. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, cool. He was, uh, I think he was Boom Op on it, and uh, uh, who was it that he was working with? Um, not Sasha Slogar. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't remember all of a sudden. But the um, the sound mixer uh, knew them and uh, a couple of other names that I saw in there. So it was kind of cool to see like my buddy's names on, uh, yeah. on, cool. on a film that I saw at the film festival, uh, especially one that was actually good. And I actually enjoyed. Yeah. So, because you can you can truthfully compliment them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, mean, I mean, we've we've never seen our friends' movies and had to pretend we like them. Right? Never. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Never. I've not worked on some of those movies before either. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my next movie was uh, these next two movies were really the highlight of the festival for me. Um, I saw a lot of documentaries, by the way. Yeah, sure uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, I saw After Parkland. Okay, oh, nice. Um, which is about the um, the aftermath of the shooting at Parkland. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the school. I always forget it. Stoneman. Yeah, Stoneman. Douglas. Stoneman Douglas High School. Yeah. yeah um, and uh, so it basically starts off with like the shooting. Um, you know, a little bit of like cell phone footage. Some really well done. Uh, like audio portions uh, to give you a little bit of an immersive moment uh, into something that uh, a lot of us have seen footage of over and over again, um, like from the outside and to really help you kind of more identify with what happened inside. Yeah. um, Which we have not been exposed to luckily. Uh, And it starts off feeling like a pretty politically motivated film. Um, I, I wonder think, why <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I yeah. think that is largely the impetus just from like the Q and a afterwards with the director. It does feel like that's probably what is driving the film. Um, cause it's all, it, you know, you got some of the parents, I don't know. I think that, I think that, uh, ultimately ends up transcending that, which is why I really like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a in the way that like knocking down or knock down the house like doesn't transcend it this one does um it becomes about how people process grief um like that's the subtext that's underneath everything uh i don't know how much they were trying to highlight that or or what but it, it like you see all of these kids all these parents who lost sons and daughters friends brothers sisters and all of them are processing it in different ways. Like this one girl whose boyfriend was killed. Like at times she like she didn't want to do like that seventeen minute walkout 
um, thing. Like she didn't do that. She didn't go to school that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then found out later that they were gonna that they were all walking down to the park where the memorial was, and she went to that. And you can see her struggling with how public do I need to be here? Like this is this is a very hurtful thing that happened, and like cut to the core of me, and I just can't be in public and like making statements about it. But then you've also got a kid like David Hogg who uh, his, his attachment to it was his sister who um, her, she had three friends who were killed. And um, so like he didn't see anybody necessarily, but, but because of that, he has, he has the, the resilience and the, the fortitude to like stand up and say things. And he's one of those most vocal um, like speakers out of yeah. those students and yeah. it is partially because he is not as close to it but because he's looking for a way to like grieve on behalf of his sister and his friends still hit pretty close to home right yeah. um, and like you see certain parents that are like the one parent uh, like starts a foundation that's all about um, like changing the leadership of the people who are making the call as to like who it's called change the ref that's all about basically changing the judges and changing all of like the the political system that's in place that protects um the uh, assault rifle manufacturers and their interests but then you have other parents who are like yeah man it's like people keep wanting to talk about assault rifle bans and like like his daughter was killed and he's like but my focus is on school safety i don't i think that like even if we ban those weapons safety will still be an issue in the schools um, and like, I just don't think that's the solution. And so like, you see all of these different people processing their grief in very different ways. It's not just a one-sided argument. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's why it really transcends because you, you realize that, um, a lot of, a lot of the things that are happening are people processing grief in public ways. Yeah. And, uh, understanding that what they're looking for in some ways also is like, they're not just looking for governmental change. They're looking for support in their grief. They're looking for people reaching out to them and saying, hey, we we grieve with you. Um, uh, there's a really powerful moment uh, where the one the dad, one of the dads, he's got uh, like his son was killed and he's like a marketing guy and um, does a bunch of like street art type stuff and. Um, that kind of thing. And so uh, he's the one that comes up with like uh, change the ref foundation. And um, he does like some street art at one point uh, where he, that is a tribute to the 17 kids that were killed. And like, he's putting up these like little graduation hats and everything, which were, which was also like, like these kids that should have graduated. And um, you know, and then like, it's got a silhouette of his son and like, he goes through with a hammer and like, punches a hole in each one of them like like including his son's face and it's just like yeah it's it's super powerful and then like before and also right before that they had been at home depot and they were they're in florida and they're looking for uh like spray paint and stuff like that and he's like i can't find the spray paint and somebody's like oh yeah it's illegal to sell spray paint in this county and he's like so I can't buy the spray paint to do the art that is protesting that I could go out and buy an assault rifle today. <laughs> oh man. And it's just Way to go, like, America. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, that like there there are some moments in there that just like cut to the core of you. Well, and you saw it uh well, actually the morning that we're recording this, uh there have been two two mass, two mass shootings. shootings within the last twenty four yeah, hours. Yeah, yesterday was the El Paso shooting. 
Um, we found out about it basically an hour before the showing started. Mm-hmm. We had a mo- we had a moment of silence before the show um, for it, and it's like. And the other one happened, in dude. Ohio. It's sur- it's yeah. it's surreal. It's so surreal to be sitting in a film that is about something that you know is currently happening. Like at the point yeah. where we started the film, like we still didn't know how many people had been killed in that Walmart yet. Like it 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 was still that active of a thing that was going on. And then when you get out of the film, you find out how many people died. Yeah, and it's, I mean, like we talk about on the show too, like that context like the context that a movie comes into has a huge effect on uh how it is received that's why like reading about film history and things like that can shed a lot of light on like why certain movies are classics and things like that because it's not just about the film it's about the context into which that film arrived yeah citizen kane wouldn't be the greatest movie ever made if it didn't come out in the 40s so (laughs) yeah and and like this film like the context of it seeing it knowing that that's going on and having that in the back of your head the whole time like every time that those kids stand up and they say never again never again never again and you're just like oh man it's like yeah it's nuts yeah um it it really is uh it but if you're honestly i feel like if you're a person who finds yourself stridently on one side of this issue whether it is the ban assault weapons or the like you'll take my rifle from my cold dead hands this movie does a great job of um i mean there's certain things in here that'll like you know raise your cockles a little bit about individual things but your what (laughs) (laughs) but it will uh it will also i think humanize this stuff in a real powerful way and uh help you see the the grief that we all feel yeah um that we can unify around yeah um because i i yeah it's so it's would really you good. recommend the movie <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely it's fantastic it's it's a great movie it hasn't got distribution yet um they're working on it it sounds like it is going to be picked up it definitely deserves to be picked up it is a very well-made film sounds poignant enough to be picked um, up yeah so. yeah sure so uh hopefully you guys will get a chance to see that soon at uh after parkman yeah, yeah. cool did you want to go next? You, know me you can go next. Okay. Uh, what do you uh, I went to go see Kill Team next, uh, which oh, yeah. is based on a true story. Um, back in, I think it was 2009, there were a bunch of Americans in Afghanistan who were arrested for murdering uh, Afghani civilians. Um, and this is kind of the story of that. Um, so it's pretty much uh, the story. Uh, it's Andrew Brigham is the character in this. I think he's based off a different person in real life. Um, and the director of this film actually directed a documentary in 2013 about the same topic. Um, I haven't seen that film yet, but I actually might go out of my way to watch it now because I really enjoyed this movie. It got nominated for best documentary. Did I it? Think, okay. Oscar, yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, it's it was really it was really well done. So I would not at all be surprised if yeah he got some awards or something like that for that. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much it follows this kid and he's kind of like you can tell from the opening scenes that he's always kind of wanted to be in the army. His dad was in the military. Um, so it's kind of like yeah. a passing the torch. One of those kind of tradition thing. families. Yeah. And like even as he's walking through like uh, like you see a shot of him walking through an airport and he like gets saluted by a guy and he just kind of has this smile on his face like he knows that he's going to go do the right thing. And then it cuts to him in the desert, and it's just him frisking, like, uh, civilians pretty much just looking for bomb parts. And he's like, yeah, this has been my day, day in and a day out. And it's like, it's not exactly what I expected it to be. It's just monotonous and boring. 
um, their staff sergeant ended up get ends up getting killed, and they get assigned a new staff sergeant played by Alexander Skarsgård. Um, and he's like, all right, well, we're actually going to start doing something. We're going to find the people who are making these bombs, and we're going to actually uh, like kill them and like do the things that are like you know we're going to make a difference in this world. Um, and as he goes on, uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character is very secretive about a lot of stuff. So you don't really know what his deal is throughout the entire thing. Um, and our main character, Andrew kind of forms a relationship with him. That's a little bit like strenuous. Um, but he, he like wants to succeed because he, he believes in this cause that they're doing. Um, but the more he gets into it, the more he realizes that Alexander Skarsgård's character is kind of pushing the limits. Um, he, he starts to just like take people aside and straight up just murder them. And it's in his opinion, you kill one of these guys, another civilian is going to come out and tell us where the bombs are in this area. And we've just saved 10 of our people, uh, and maybe more lives. And, uh, they do it by kind of planning Russian rifles and stuff like that on them. So it looks like they were terrorists that were attacking them. Um, so they have this whole scheme planned out, uh, and it's about the kid, not being able to like do it like his conscience is just like fighting against him and he tries to talk to his dad about like hey we've got to report these people to cid um but then realizing that his commanding officer also has like access to some of the information so like he could know if he's contacting his dad mm-hmm. um, it becomes an extremely paranoid movie um because it's his like his brothers are pretty much killing these people um and if he goes out of his way to report them he's gonna end up getting shot or beat up or something like that yeah like he he knows that they're already willing to murder exactly um so it gets real real intense um alexander skarsgård's character it's one of his finer performances i think um he plays charming and like he, he he knows how to like lure people in in a weird way but then he's also got this like chilling personality where all of a sudden he can switch and you're just like i don't know if this guy's gonna kill me right now or not um scars guards man yeah no, scars guards are great <laughs> they're good um but Terrible yeah family. this <laughs> this was easily one of my favorite mo- uh i think it was my favorite uh movie i saw overall um it's the the main kid is uh alex wolf's brother i think it's nat wolf so alex wolf was the kid in uh hereditary um but it's his brother i think he does an okay job but there are a couple emotional scenes where he has to get like really emotional and it just it didn't quite get there for me like i think give it two or three more years and that kid might have a real career ahead of him but uh like yeah one or two scenes i was like "Eh, that was a little bit shaky um, but yeah, still, a, it, was, it was a really good movie overall. Still a four star movie for nice. me. So yeah, cool. Absolutely cool. recommend that one. Nice. So yeah, what was your next one? I saw Official Secrets with uh, Keira Knightley and Ray Fine. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, I don't think that one actually has distribution yet, but it, wow. it, it definitely will. It was. Um, yeah, I was gonna a, say it sounds familiar. Like I heard something it. about it. It's about. Um, it might just be in the program too. Like yeah. I might have just happened to notice it. It's, it's about uh, Catherine Gunn. Who was a British uh, whistleblower back in 2004, and uh, she worked for the British NSA to go over like uh, people's phone conversations and stuff to try to you know spot out terrorism and whatnot. Yeah, and she gets a weird uh, email from uh, high up, like. Man, I don't know all the British terms. Whatever. The You're fine. Br- <laughs> you know, the, the British CIA. No, we'll British Minister of <laughs> Magic. Right. MI6? <laughs> yeah, MI6 or whatever. James you know, Bond was in there and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> there was an email that said, uh, hey, you need Defense to. against the dark art. <laughs> <laughs> you need to give us, info- give us information um, to help us in the U.S. Uh, so we can invade Iraq, basically. Like, we need mm-hmm. information to make this a legal 
thing so we can go blow up Iraq for, you know, because that's what we want to do. Get all and, that oil. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Keira Knightley's delicious, character, delicious Catherine Gunn, is, is not cool with it. Um, weirdly enough, and, but like, but like, you know, she's it's it's you know kind of a weird thing that you can't like go and rat out what's happening right now. So she only talks to her husband, who is uh, an immigrant actually, who she married. But I mean, they're actually yeah, ooh. <laughs> an immigrant from from Iraq. He escaped them. Oh, okay. What Saddam was doing. So, uh, so there's actually that whole thing on there. Um, but she actually does like there's a big love thing between them. They're actually our husband and wife and. They did fall in love, so it's not just to keep him in the country, yeah. but they deal with that topic. Uh, I didn't assume that, but I guess <laughs> Oh, no, they bring there, that up in the movie yeah. oh, quite a bit. I was going to say, there are probably people who think that <laughs> no, immediately the, are like, green card marriage. Well, yeah, that's, like, that's a big thing in the movie. <laughs> like, they bring that up. I was like, it literally had not occurred to me that anyone would think that. Yeah. Um, people are the worst. <laughs> what? But, <laughs> I mean, no, they, they do bring that up. And it's just her, uh, she eventually does come around and like, tell this guy who's investigating this whole sec of that of her um where she works and like she eventually comes forward and says i did it you know and she she stands by her her guns her name is Catherine gun ah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's, it's just kind of this whole uh it's just a nice political not nice it's a political thriller that kind of um dis not dismantles but kind of like shows light on the bush administration how they kind of colluded with the British government to go to war illegally with Iraq. And um, obviously it's very heavy handed. Um, so a lot of people who <laughs> supported the Bush administration and deny those allegations probably won't enjoy this movie, but it's, it's pretty factual which, and I'm sure. Well, which one's more heavy handed, this or vice? I was actually thinking that during the movie, like this definitely vice is more heavy. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> definitely <laughs> vice. Uh, this one's not nearly as satirical as uh, vice. It's, it's much more fact-based. It's more dramatic. And, uh, Catherine Gunn goes to, uh, humanity lawyers cause they threatened to deport her husband Jeez. through all, all this. If she says anything and stuff. So she goes to Ray fine who owns a law firm and you know, they, they, they go and they, you know, uh, dig up information and, uh, it's kind of they have the whole law th- thing and so like figuring things. Yeah, court case, procedural, like procedural, yeah, procedural political yeah. thriller. But I don't think it warrants. They the... type into computers. <laughs> yeah, you know, it has like a sixty-eight percent Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't think it. I think it deserves higher than that. It was nice. It was really good. I mean, Keira Knightley is great. So is Ray Fine. It was just a good political thriller. I don't know. I really, I, I was not disappointed with it. So cool. I, don't, I, I really, I really did enjoy it. And I recommend it. I don't know. I don't know why it would get lower reviews than it did. Yeah. Maybe people have already. It's almost of a like artist is objective. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Weird. It is a little heavy-handed. So maybe you know, I it just appealed to me because yeah. I I agree with that political statement that they're yeah. trying to make. So that's probably why I enjoyed it more. Yeah. And while I can definitely see why people wouldn't like it who don't agree yeah. with the political statement it makes. That, that is. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my last documentary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, I just I will mention here too because we've talked a lot about. Uh, the festival itself is not like necessarily documentary as, heavy <laughs> as political sounding as it as it's not no be, it's it's more that that's because of the things that we select to go yeah. see mm-hmm. and it's also, what interests us we saw and, the heavy handed stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also uh this year's theme was youth was activism mm-hmm. so there were more movies of that type this right. year than there are in typical years so i just like if people are thinking about going next year or whatever and like i'm sure there will be a lot more comedies next year so yeah there, so, there, there's plenty of options yeah, yeah there's so much more to see than just 
Uh, it like, took me a long time to get a, a list of four movies because I was like, "What do I want to see? Do I want to see this lighthearted comedy, or do I want to go see this heavy-handed documentary?" Were, like not playing on the days that I wanted right. to see. Like I really want to see Peanut Butter Falcon still and that's, stuff that's like that. That's playing so, today, I think. Yeah. yeah. So. And the Wretched did look good, but yeah. I couldn't. There's no way there's I would no have made it. Go <laughs> I would not have made it if I saw that midnight <laughs> showing. No, we should have stayed, guys. <laughs> well, I would have stayed at your uncle's or something. Get home at five a.m. or something. Yeah. So my the this is probably my favorite yeah this is my favorite film that i saw uh is meeting gorbachev oh yeah yeah um, Werner herzog's uh new documentary uh it's uh it's basically a an audio memoir of gorbachev's time in power my memoirs <laughs> uh yeah you oh don't Burn worry you get reading. plenty you get you get plenty of Werner herzog's voice <laughs> and his ominous tones <laughs> then, uh, i've just been shot <laughs> you've seen that video on if you ever wanted to hear Werner herzog speak about the travesty <laughs> that was chernobyl have you, have you seen the video where he gets shot during an interview like with no. a BB gun, uh, no. someone shoots him. He's like, "Oh yes, I've just been shot." He like lifts up his shirt and he's like bleeding. And everything. He's like, oh yes, yes, there it is. Like all cool and oh, stuff. And he's like, "This one." He's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Oh yeah." It's just so another weird. day. The guy's so weird. He's great though. Yeah. He's so eccentric he that I kind of love him. Oh, he's great. <laughs> he gets away with a lot because of his extra eccentricity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, just a um, the main body of it is a conversation with. Gorbachev that he did over three sessions over a year. Um, it seems like Gorbachev really wanted to do it too. Mm-hmm. Like um, he he says at the beginning that uh, like he had Gorbachev had had to go to the hospital and stuff and was laid up and he like very quickly like upon getting out was like hey we need to make up that interview like uh, <laughs> yeah. so it it seems like something he really wanted to do and um, it's I don't know a lot about Gorbachev. Uh, like his heyday is before me mm-hmm. uh, in my political awareness. Yeah. I just and know that he helped kind of push us towards the end of the Cold War a little bit. Right. More than right. anything else. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much all I knew, too. And what a fascinating film. Yeah. Um, to hear about his his career and his rise to the position that he was in, because like he was not a a career politician. Like that's not what he set out to do. Um, he is the son of a farmer. Uh, yeah, like they grew up poor um, uh, because of the devastation from World War II. Um, also, the first two years after World War II, there were droughts in uh, Russia. So they were extremely poor, lean years. Like he knows people who died from starvation in his village. Wow. Um, you know, so this is a guy that like comes from the like people. Over a million people died of that starvation drought, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's oh, like crazy. he he really it's and it's very obvious throughout the film that he never forgets that he is there for the people. Mm-hmm. Um in the way that a lot of uh politicians and bureaucrats, like whether they're communists or not, forget that. What? Um and uh it's just it you also get a great little look into like his personal life, his love for his wife um and their daughter um just the humanity of him and you get to see all these major world events from a perspective you don't get to see it from and it it creates a balance um that i think is really needed in america uh partially because of where we sit geographically in the world 
partially because of American arrogance. Number one, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Partially because of American arrogance. <laughs> uh, we tend to see things like solely from our perspective mm-hmm. um, because we're not like for the average American, we're not surrounded by foreign countries right. um, like Canada is, yeah. you know, like hours and hours away from us. Um, but like if you lived in Kansas or like Ohio or, you know, some of the like so- Southern Ohio or in yeah. the middle of the country, um, you don't really you you definitely feel like America is the only country. Uh, because it's landlocked, it, like, yeah. Because it's it's so far to anywhere else. Um, and then you go over to Europe, and it's like you can drive through five countries in a day. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, and, and, yeah. And I think that that really lends itself in the rest of the world towards having a little having a a more egalitarian view of things, a more fair view. Like it's not so hard to get somebody else's perspective because Mm -hmm. they're right there. Mm -hmm. Um, You definitely get a sense from Herzog in this film that, uh, and from Gorbachev that Germany and Russia, like they consider themselves very close allies um, at this point. Like they're, they're friends. Like uh, uh, Herzog talks about like, looking up to Gorbachev hmm. um even though he's a foreign minister right. not a not a, a, a national one for him uh which seems really weird it's like well i mean you can respect foreign leaders yeah. like like i mean like, i don't know but like some i some people like, don't can know you? that can you? <laughs> some <laughs> people that, don't like, realize that's that. my whole point is that in america so many people feel like if you're a fan of Somebody. Boris Johnson. <laughs> oh, oh sorry. Did I, is it too early now? Too soon. Uh, it's, yeah, but like there are a lot of people that it seems like if you if you like a person that's We're from sorry, another Britain. country, there's a, there's a problem. Uh, you know, yeah. and like one of the great moments in this film is they're they're talking about the end of the Cold War, and uh, <laughs> Gorbachev says uh, Americans think they won the Cold War. <laughs> and 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 I realized like he is right. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Like like we all think we won the Cold War, and he's like, "What victory? Yeah, when right. did you what, win what? it? <laughs> well, you didn't win it. We all decided to disarm together. Right, it wasn't us. the world won the Cold War by deciding to lay down their arms. Mm. And the problem is a bunch of people walking around like they think they won it, and now they want to re-nuclearize our armament again like that's like that's the problem like because he he is a big like anti-nuclear proliferation you know and that was a good big reason. part of what he did um and so he talks about that a lot in the movie and uh it's it's really interesting i think it i think it would really help some people um like contextualize some of our views and some of like what we think about politicians um really seeing somebody who had a it doesn't seem like he had a got a heart full of guile okay like he wasn't he wasn't scheming he wasn't like he genuinely was trying to do good things like we may come like he talks about his uh relationship with margaret thatcher and how like they totally disagreed Mm -hmm. like politically with uh like um their beliefs in capitalism and socialism and all of that and he's like but we both were trying to do good things for our people and so we had common ground yeah um it seems like 
one of the big things that you see emerge in the movie is this feeling that the problem in the world right now is that um, with world leaders who do not seem to care about their people, they don't have that common ground. Trump. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't have that common ground. They, they can't they can't reach across to Europe and have good allies over there because when it comes down to it, they're just talking about different things. Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a really, a really fascinating film. Um, it is a film about two old white guys talking to each other <laughs> in two different languages uh, oh. <laughs> because they have to wait for translations. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's by no means an easy watch. Yeah. Uh, but it is easily my favorite film that I saw. A lot of information. Yeah. It was so good. Hmm. Nice. That does sound really good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, my least favorite film of the weekend was uh, <laughs> Top End Wedding. I really didn't know what this movie was about going in. Um, I, it kind of got to the point where we all just had to choose different movies. And I was like, okay, well, these, these guys chose these two. So I'm just going to pick this one. This one looks kind of interesting. Um, I always like movies that kind of deal with uh, cultural stuff. So I thought this was going to be kind of a cultural insight into Aboriginal uh, people. Uh, it takes place in Australia, and it's pretty much just a romantic comedy. And I did not realize it was a romantic <laughs> oh, comedy going in. Um, but it is, it's, I think I said it already, it's called Top End Wedding. Um, there's some absolutely gorgeous cinematography in this movie, but I feel like it was, uh, in the end, it kind of felt like it was a tourism visit video sponsored by Australia. Um, just like, check out all these awesome places we have. You guys should come here. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I really want to go to Australia after watching this movie. I never want to watch this movie again, but I want to go to Australia, Australia. now. <laughs> I want to go to Australia. Australia and actually learn about the things that I was hoping I'd learn about in this film. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty much just like I, this girl and her boyfriend decide that they're going to get married, uh, but they only have 10 days to do it for some stupid reason. Um, because like the boss, like her boss is because really movie. controlling. Yeah, exactly. There is no reason for it at all. Movie, uh, yeah, yep. because movie. That's right. um, but they decide that they're going to do it and everything's going fine. And then they get to her parents' house and they discover that her mom has like traveled across the country um and so they go take off after her because she left her cell phone behind why because it's a movie and they need you know a reason to go chase across this country there's yeah there is no reason for her mom to have left her cell phone behind um because people forget things seth yeah she left a note on the cell phone plus you can't buy cell phones in australia oh man yeah it's just really (laughs) stupid um they end up meeting up with the mom at the i'm just gonna ruin this movie for you because you guys don't need to see this Um, (laughs) you sold me a romantic comedy (laughs) spoiler alert guys. Uh, hey some romantic comedies are good no you're right you're right i I liked long shot i gave punch drunk love a five out of five Heck so. yeah. it's a great movie um but Classic yeah date movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like say you call a rom-com <laughs> that's my favorite rom-com there will be blood is great <laughs> that's my favorite light light drama <laughs> yeah um but yeah they end up uh traveling across the country and finding her mom and then she's just like oh yeah i shouldn't have run away i guess that was just my mistake and it was just like we're <laughs> just bad yeah oops just like i should have talked to your dad about this beforehand and then they meet up again and they're like yeah it's okay we're fine now and then they just get married and i was oh. like that was the most predictable thing i've ever seen wow. in my entire life well i'm glad you spoiled it because i don't want to see it yeah i mean I, <laughs> i'm glad you saw it not me yeah, yeah. well i wrote I mean, a review for it so i mean i'm not glad you saw it because i don't <laughs> I, wish, I, I don't wish ill on anyone <laughs> yeah, but, uh, i wouldn't say it's a terrible movie like People in the audience certainly seem to like it. I will say that. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Um, (laughs) 
for me, uh, having one joke repeated over and over and over again after uh, a while gets really old. And there is one joke where uh, it's like the dad is upset because the mom is left. So he always goes into the closet and plays If You Leave Me Now by uh, Chicago. Yeah. And so it's just that song playing. And that happens probably 12 times in the movie. Whoa. And I'm just it's like, funny all once, right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was funny for two or three times. And now it's just gotten to the point where I'm like, when is this song going to end? Because I'm sick of this now. <laughs> um, Man, yeah. They don't even do that in Popeye. <laughs> it's, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke that we tell over and over and over again. Popeye. Great. That's the running joke of your podcast. It is. Popeye. It's no Popeye. We don't like oh. repeating jokes over and over and over again. No. But, uh, Virgil opened your it, door. It's funny sparsely, He's but I mean, like, if you do it that many times in a movie that's only yeah. an hour and 40 right. minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Um, but yeah, some cool They paid for that song, man. They did. It's money worth, it. right? They yeah. couldn't get the Land Down Under song, though. They couldn't get the rights to the original one, so they used some rap version, too. And I was just like, this uh, is bad. You should have got the original. They uh, Boz Lerman did, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> he's Australian too. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, man. That's funny. Yeah, just bring it round circle. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm calling not it on reviewing Australia. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Quintessential Australian oh, viewing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I probably wouldn't recommend that one. But if you like romantic comedies, like I think my mom would probably like this, except there's like a couple sexual humor things in it. But um, yeah. Mom-com. It's a mom-com. Mom-com. Yeah. Okay. And cool. I didn't realize it going in. So Seth is not a mom. So I am not a mom. <laughs> so it didn't really hit me on any level at all. <laughs> but that's okay. Cool. Uh, so that was your last one, right? That was my last what one. What was your last one, Carl? My final one was Cold Case Hammerschwold. I'm glad I can say that I, now. That's how you is, say it. I was debating whether to see this one or not. Yeah. Because um, it, it looked really interesting. I was actually me. debating seeing this one or the one that you saw, actually. Yeah. So I'm glad we both saw one saw them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one, I know I said St. Francis was my favorite in terms of like a narrative, entertaining yeah. piece, but this one was my favorite in terms of information. Well, this was a documentary. Yes. Right? Yep. Um, uh, based from Sweden, the guy is actually the guy is actually uh, South Amer South African. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, it deals with a South African conspiracy theory colluding with the british government um really it just starts off looking for this U un ambassador called uh dag hammerschuld who was uh, killed in a plane crash and he wanted to figure out if this plane crash was really a murder mystery or a conspiracy theory okay and it starts off very interesting you, you know it brings you in like what i wonder this sounds cool and then it just opens up this whole organization that no one's really even heard of that's been hush hush by governments and like this whole conspiracy to commit this black genocide in South Africa to mm -hmm. it, it is absolutely nuts, insane. This, I mean, twists like the trailer wasn't lying when it said twists come every second. Like every scene, there's something new. Like he's uncovering this new thing. These people aren't talking. Uh, he finds out these people were lying, and some people don't want to talk about. It. Some people are open to talk about it. Some he tries to call these people, they don't answer. Some people are like, "Yeah, I'll talk about it, but I shouldn't be." And like it's just oh, it's just wild, like and it sounds like national treasure, <laughs> <laughs> but real life. Well, like that tickled documentary. Do you yeah, remember that? Of, yeah, it, yeah, it's very much, it like sheds light on this like underground secret, world. Yeah, that yeah. You like it's just one topic that there. just gets yeah. blown out of proportion, and you're like, is this like this is real? Like, yeah. like the, the documentary about like the doping scandals in uh, the Olympics and stuff was like that. Oh for yeah, me, where, sure, like, yeah. Icarus, with, right? it, like yeah, yeah where it's like got into like the countrywide conspiracies yeah. and it's like oh man i didn't realize that it went like 
that deep. I thought it was just the like, world like two or nuts. three people, and then you're like, oh, you keep pulling on this thread, and yeah. you realize yeah. that there's so Everyone. many more bad people yeah. underneath that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this happened in 1961, and he he oh, just wow. he's just now un- uncovered all this in 2000 and whatever. What is it? 1918, whenever this was made, and it's just him and this other guy who get obsessed over this, and like it, it's filmed really weird and differently than other documentaries. Like it shows the actual director like saying how he wants his movie to turn out okay. to his uh, secretary who's typing it in, and, and it's just a weird way to do it, but. He's a very uh, – he kind of reminds me of Warner Herzog almost. Just he's just implementing himself in the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He but he's, he's got a cool personality, and you, you enjoy spending time with him and his friend. And just all the all the stuff that they uncovered, it was worth the two hours even though I was restless in my chair. Like there were times where I was kind of shifting, but I was so into it. I would just like lean on the chair in front of me because I, I, I just – I that a lot in this, yeah, this weekend because yeah. you're just like I've I like, been sitting like this for yeah, a long time. I, but I was so immersed in – in uncovering what the truth was and halfway through even he's like what are we doing like is this going to be a crap documentary or like what what is going on like what is what are we, what is going on and like it's just it all comes together and the i mean obviously they made the movie so yeah. Yeah. you know then like things get solved and like you come out of it you're like what did i just watch i don't know i i am gonna pick this one up too i was cool i'll definitely watch yeah, it. I, I actually yeah, watched I, it was I a like fascinating so. documentary yeah. i i can't uh recommended enough for people who like this sort of conspiracy sort of just things going crazy or like true crime stuff yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and like it, it tests your patience it definitely does like there's a lot it's very talky and it's but south african like accents can, so there are subtitles if you so can watch 12 understand. 24 hours of making a murderer you can watch this right absolutely yeah and, and it, it's that, not yeah. like yeah but people did yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's not like the Warner Herzog documentary where you're. It's different languages. It's primarily English. It's just very thick South African accents that can be hard enough. But yeah. you know, if if you're not District Nine, if you're not, if you're not watching Turn the subtitles, on if you're not watching three movies in one day and just watching this one, you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very just fair. don't save it for your last movie of the day. Cool. What was you, the name of that one again? Uh, Cold Case Hammerschuld. That's. You're going to just type in Cold Case Hammer. It'll come up. Yeah. It's spelled very weirdly. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, my last uh, film was the only narrative film I saw, uh, <laughs> Sword of Trust. Um, I picked this one because I, back in the day when Mark Maron first started his podcast, before we got popular, uh, <laughs> I listened to that show. Um, and so I, I, I know I like I'm sympathetic to his comedy. <laughs> I won't say I always love it, but I I, I like what he does. He has for... funny bits, I feel yeah. like. like there he, are to, bits to, that really resonate yeah. with To me, he's like George Carlin, where he is... He's, he's got some good singles. He's half comedy and half political, and I love the comedy half. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm not always a fan of the rage. Yeah. Uh, so, That's fair. Uh, and this movie is... Um, I think I think I'm going to end up giving this one a three star because I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, didn't it, love it, it. Yeah, I didn't love it. It's not like the greatest comedy I've seen this year or anything. But um, you know, if you run across it for free, I mean, there's worse movies you could watch. <laughs> uh, you I've know, said if that it, before. Like if yeah. it comes up <laughs> on Amazon Prime someday or something like that, you know, check it out. I wouldn't personally pay to go see this movie. Yeah. Sure. Um, Having seen it once, especially, uh, but it's about uh, Mark Marin plays a uh, guy living in Birmingham, Alabama. He owns a pawn shop. He's got a coworker who's a lot younger than him, and he's like your 
typical like young 20 something aimless um but like also he's he's a yokel like he's a dumb kid uh um and so he's like on his ipad all the time and he's into conspiracy theories <laughs> and all this other stuff and but of course you've also got mark Marin there who like literally doesn't know how to take a picture with his cell phone and he basically this kid his only job is like when i need you to do something with my phone for me <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh then there's these uh two women who are partners and they one of them her grandfather just recently passed and they have come down to Birmingham, Alabama to take possession of the house and everything. Uh, but then when they find out when they get there uh, to the person who's like serving the will and everything uh, basically is like, Oh, you think you're getting the house? Like you're not the bank owns the house. Um, you get this. And it is a single item from her grandfather. It's a sword uh, from, from the civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, and an envelope that has, quote unquote, authenticating documents with it. This more sounds more like national treasure to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. There's oh, a, like the two movies that we're talking about have a very strange link between them. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> uh, so, and then it's also got a letter, uh, which is written by a guy who probably had dementia, uh, the grandfather, basically telling the story of the sword, and. It is purported in this letter, which is all mixed up and has facts like mismatched all the way through, like names that switch halfway through the story and things like that. But basically, <laughs> he, he is purporting that this sword was owned by uh, General Sherman of the Union Army, which he surrendered to uh, – I can't remember the name of the guy in uh, the Confederacy. One of the other – yeah, one of the other generals. generals. Robert uh, E. Lee. Oh, actually, I think it is Robert E. Lee. Okay. Um, but What a hero. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But basically, just kidding. basically, the idea is that this sword is a sword of surrender from the general of the army proving that the South won the war. Oh. And God, what a terrible so, future that would be. So yeah, they, right? they, bring, they just want to get rid of this sword. Like they're your typical like pawn shop owners. No, no. They, these guys are, are these kids. Oh, these the, girls, the, the people these that women, are trying to these sell women. it. Yeah, they want to sell it. So they try and sell it to this pawn shop owner. And he, of course, is just like, uh, yeah, you guys can't keep your story straight. This is a bunch of BS. <laughs> but then his his coworker who's like, I don't know, there's all these conspiracy theories and blah, blah, blah. And he gets uh, on his computer and he finds somebody that is like willing to pay up to $50,000 for like old civil war memorabilia that proves that the South won. Um, there's like this convenient, whole, huh? like there's this whole school of people who believe the South won oh, and man. believe that it's been expunged from the textbooks and stuff. I don't know if any of this is true or if it it's makes just sense a story. that they base it in Birmingham, Alabama, a, or if it's just a story device for to make a funny movie. Right? But, I'm sure people believe that. I would oh, sure not at some, all be surprised. I'm sure but, there's yeah, some dumbasses um, out there. So <laughs> they decide basically to try and con this guy out of money by selling him a sword that they don't believe in. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it's a funny concept. It it, it a lot of it pays off really well. A lot of it is very funny. Um, it does, I don't know, it struggles a little bit. I, I I feel like the direction especially is super uninspiring. Like, it is filmed like a standard, like, comedy um, where the jokes are primarily being spoken and the most important thing is to get coverage in a scene. Okay. Um, the the um, improv occasionally goes a little long. Uh, and But... 
uh, there are also some really fantastically funny like reaction moments, especially from this uh, this kid that works at the pawn shop. He's got this slack jawed look on his face all the time. That is just so awesome. Like he literally, like as soon as he's done doing something, he just kind of like goes into his brain and like his mouth <laughs> drops open a little bit and he just stares off into the distance. And like there's That's literally awesome. moments where they're like, "Oh wait, where is?" And they see him, and he's like standing outside a door, and he's just staring <laughs> off, and they're just like, "Oh, that's so sad." <laughs> like, like, like it's it, like they treat him like a like a puppy dog or something. Like, it's just <laughs> what a pathetic creature. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, and it, honestly, like that character is super funny in the movie. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, it's it'll definitely make you laugh. Um, if you do end up seeing it, like I said, it's not the funniest thing I've seen ever. Uh, if you're gonna actually pay money to rent something, like rent long shot, rent something like game Book night smart. yeah game night <laughs> things awesome. like that um but if it pops up on amazon prime and you're just looking for uh an easy laugh like uh with a couple of pretty poignant moments there's yeah. like uh, a couple of a uh, couple of good moments because the the pawn store owner uh mark Marin has like kind of a tragic history with this woman and um uh who he lived with in new york and um it's uh it's kind of it's a movie that feels like it's very much about um, giving people chances, okay. uh, um, like allowing your preconceived notions of who a person is to be dismantled. But it's also about how complicated that is because some people are exactly who you expect them to be when you see them. And like that trains you to start thinking that way about everybody because there's some pretty big like twists as far as like. Uh, you know, realizing that certain people have more going on than what they appear to have going on that happened in the film. So, yeah, cool. yeah it was nice. really great. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds like I, a 3.5 from you, then, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's At the end of the day, I don't see myself ever watching it again, and I have a really hard time giving a movie four stars if I don't think if I'm ever going to watch it again. Yeah, oh, that's right. You don't do that. Point five nonsense. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Neither does the Traverse City Film Festival. They don't deal with those point fives. I ripped it right down the, Did not you? the dotted she, line. She told oh, me. Yeah, I was she, like, she, she told me not to do this. Told us not to do that. They one don't of them. know what to give. Well, yeah. then they can go for it. Just toss my ballot. I don't uh. care. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably harder when there's thousands of people. I guess. Yeah. When, when it's just yeah. three of us, it's a little. Is easier. that a hanging chat? <laughs> <laughs> I gave two movies a five. With those sheets, yeah. and then one movie of four, and then one movie of three. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. think I gave two So I enjoyed four. all of them. Yeah. Two of yeah. four, one of 3.5, one of three, and one of 2.5. Yeah, two fours. Uh, one of the shorts, I gave a five. The um, Or you, actually, two of them I did. Did you rip individual yeah. sheets for shorts? For shorts, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, so there, I had like eight ballots for that one. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I think overall, though, all of our experiences at Traverse City – Oh, oh through, yeah. the, through the roof, fantastic! Yeah. One of one of my favorite like movie, like excursion weekend whatever things I've ever done. No, yes. I agree. It was great. I, yeah. I'm really grateful to uh, what? Who? What's her name? Ivy Hutchinson. Ivy Hutchinson. Ivy, yeah, yeah who, very uh, grateful for got her. us the the tickets for these. So, yeah. yeah, we really appreciate it. Like Absolutely. we wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys, honestly. So like, uh, none of us could have afforded this. I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, because like each one of us, I I like we would have had personally. I got comped seventy five dollars worth. Yep, comped, like, and 60. so did I. So yeah, I was able to go see four movies in one day for free, and that and I loved every and I enjoyed myself yeah. with every single one. And so yeah. uh, I really awesome. I, I want to go back next year and hopefully years after. I'd, yeah, I can't recommend highly enough to people that they that they 
head out next year for this one again. Yeah. Um, if you can't get it, comp, then they can do the you know they can sign up and the they line, get like the like, line thing or whatever. Yeah, go like to usually you can just wait at the door. They said too, I'm advocating so, yeah. for you, TCFF. Yeah. Go on, yeah, go on to their website. It's a super well up. run festival. Um, all the volunteers were great. All the um, like, uh, I just. I don't know. I found them all to be very informative. Like very nice. Just little, They're little happy to be like, there. Little things that are, uh, you know, me trying. Like I'm at a weird location because of wherever my film is, and they're I'm like, man, I need to get something to eat because it's noon and there's yeah. like no restaurants around. Yeah. But like they're all locals, so they all know like where to point you to and how to get you where you need to go and. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's good uh, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. On Friday night, actually, we ran into some, uh, uh, some people that we know. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, and I yeah, ran into somebody that Chris I knew Kotcher, on Saturday morning. Uh, so that's cool. kind yeah. of fun, nice. too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great time. Uh, I can't recommend highly enough for people to drive up there, even just for one day, yeah. to see. Like, I, Traverse City is a beautiful area. Yeah. People, people in Michigan, like you all know. You all visit. We all go up north at some point yeah. or another for camping trips and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's not like you don't know how to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty like, easy. You're going to pass through it. You're going to get to it. You're already probably going up there for the Cherry Festival at some point. Just mm-hmm. make another side excursion some some week uh, during the week of the festival up there for one of the evenings. Catch a movie. Uh, they've got uh, their like open uh, – was it open air movies that yeah. they do? Yeah, for um, more that, popular. Yeah. Like, I mean, when we got – out of the movie last night from where I was um, like you could hear Captain Marvel playing down at the okay. And those are for free for everyone. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not just for like diehard film snob. I want to see five documentaries <laughs> in a weekend kind of guys. Like there, it's a they're casual, re- there really casual. is stuff for uh, like kids and for uh, people who might not consider themselves cinephiles, but movie fans. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very yeah. accessible, like you said earlier. Like you can just pick out a movie, pay your fifteen bucks, and go to that venue. And yeah, and even like uh, with the uh, with like the shuttle lots and things like that, or even the parking lots downtown. Like it was relatively inexpensive. It was pretty like easy, compared yeah. to what we pay for parking, if there's an event going on <laughs> yeah. down downtown Grand Rapids, it's about half of the price. Yeah, yeah you're, you're paying twenty bucks easily. Yeah. At Grand Super Rapids. accessible. So uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going of to director be director Q and A's and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. So there's just right. always lots of stuff. going. Yeah. On, we're so. definitely going to be doing this again next year. Yes. Oh yeah. Definitely going to start expanding our search for more film festivals Heck to yeah. do mm-hmm. because this was there's not enough in Michigan and yeah. awesome experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to yeah. split up to a whole weekend next time instead of just one day to get a yeah. hotel yep. or something. Yeah, we were all talking about see that. See a couple actually. movies each so, day, yeah. split up. I, just, I, I mean, I just love Traverse City too. It's just beautiful down yeah. there, you know. Just yeah, make a, a lot of restaurants. And and <laughs> yeah, I just like being on the lake. So it's yeah. just a really cool, cool place. Yeah, great awesome. experience. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Then, uh, of course, uh, hopefully, you guys are following us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. All of that stuff, you'll uh, be seeing these the reviews for these movies rolling out throughout this week, as well as uh, getting ready for next week when we're going to be talking about our uh, stu- studio films on the podcast. So you'll see a few reviews coming out for those. Heck yeah. It's uh, going to be a busy week. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, uh, you know, keep coming back to truemythmedia.com. Hundreds of movies from uh, movie reviews from a spiritual cinephile perspective await you there. And we will say farewell, friends. Peace. Goodbye. Virgil knows what that means. Yeah, he sure does.